Well, it's good to be back uh, with you this Sunday, and some of you don't even know I wasn't here last Sunday, and that's cool, that's fine. Uh, it, was, it was great uh, to not be here, and, and not, wait, 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 too, too, much, too, much, too much laughter, but the reason for that is I actually, uh, so I got to uh, take, take a Sunday off, which is great, uh, but I actually got to go back to my home church and hear my dad preach. And that, that was just really cool. And so that's why I said that. Some of y'all took that maybe in a different way. Um, and, and that was really cool uh, that that just happened to randomly work out that way. Um, and so we really, really enjoyed that. Although we missed our church family. Uh, last week, Chip k- kicked us off on our Advent series, like Adria mentioned, Unique Jesus. Uh, much of this time of year is a celebration of time-honored tradition. And I love that. I love time, well... I don't love all time honored traditions uh, if I don't know why they exist. Uh, that's a whole nother sermon, though. We, we'll talk about that some other time. But I enjoy those things. But one of the things that I notice, at least about myself, and I think with most people, is some of the things that we do just out of tradition and, and just kind of there because we've always done it in our lives. Uh, sometimes we um, I, you know, miss some of the important details. Um, and maybe even get some of the important details wrong just because we figure, well, this is how we've always done it. And so, you know, what's, what's the big deal? Uh, but it, during this time of year, uh, this, it's pretty unique because of who Jesus is. And everybody's got a different idea of, of Jesus. And what I mean by that is, you know, we might all be believers or have some sort of conception of what Scripture says about Jesus, but maybe it's the time period of our life, you know, the things that we're going through, or maybe, uh, you know, a family member or friend or, or somebody else, a preacher maybe even, uh, has influenced us to think about Jesus in one particular way. Um, but how do you view Jesus in your mind? How are you thinking about him in your life right now? And you may not even know the answer to that. Uh, here, here are some popular uh, ways that people view Jesus. Um, this, here's one. i got a picture. Um, this is the Jesus is watching Jesus. I just want to, I, that, that pregnant pause is intentionally to be awkward because that's what this one is. You, you know, it's the Jesus is watching you and then you fill in the blank, you know, kind of thing. And you can think of all kinds of fun words to put in that blank, I'm, I'm sure, in situations that you've been in. And so some people think of Jesus in that way. Jesus is watching you. Jesus is pretty creepy. Um, here, here's, a little, here's a little happier one. This is uh, the, you know, Jesus yearbook photo, you know. <laughs> And you think of you think of uh, think of Jesus maybe as a hey here's this just this regular guy that lived and, and he he was there. Um, this is actually my favorite. This is uh, not this one but the next one. <laughs> this is Obi Wan Jesus. And the reason that this one is really important to share with you is because I've seen some people share this on Facebook as actually Jesus. Some of you know who you are. Some of you don't. <laughs> and, and that's okay. But this is, this is actually Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. And, and that's actually a, a picture of a real uh, print frame that uh, somebody got their parents to, you know, as a troll, you know, Christmas present. And then they were, like, sharing it as a, an actual painting of Jesus. Um, you know, the whole blonde hair, blue eye thing, you know, we got a problem with how, how we view Jesus. And then, you know, the, the famous one, uh, I, well, one of the famous ones is eight pounds, six ounce newborn baby Jesus that Ricky Bobby introduced us to. You know, he liked to pray, dear eight pounds, six ounce newborn baby Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant 
so cuddly, but still omnipotent. You know, maybe you remember that movie, Talladega Nights. I don't recommend watching it. How we view Jesus affects everything. It affects how we experience Christmas. It affects how we worship. It affects how we live. Um, it, it affects every area, every relationship in our life. And so how do you view him? You know, as we talk about this series, Unique Jesus, we could spend forever looking at all the different nuances that make Jesus unique in our lives, but we're hitting uh, some, some of the most important reasons that Jesus stands alone. If Jesus wasn't unique, we wouldn't be here this morning. We wouldn't be logging on, you know, and, and worshiping uh, together online. Uh, we wouldn't be singing about him, praying uh, to him and through him, really. Uh, we wouldn't be celebrating him, remembering him, putting our trust in him. We wouldn't be baptized into his name if there wasn't something unique about him. Um, those are things that we do as believers. In fact, we live a unique life as a result. Last week, Chip kicked off, like I mentioned, our Advent series with the hope that we have in Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the unique way. He alone is our Savior and the way for us to be reconciled and redeemed in our relationship to God. There are no other options. And that may sound like a hard truth, uh, but it's what was prophesied about Jesus. It's what Jesus claimed about himself, and it's what his followers have believed and lived out and taught and shared throughout history. In our culture, we're often afraid of exclusivity, but that's the message of Jesus. It was exclusive. He is the way to God. But it's also the most inclusive message that we can have because Jesus came for everyone. So today we're looking at something else that makes Jesus pretty unique, and that is that Jesus is uniquely alive. And maybe this one seems kind of like, yeah, okay, okay. Um, th this Christmas, we're going to have a little bit of Easter in fact, Christmas happened so that Easter could happen. That was the point. Jesus was on a mission of giving hope to our world. He was the hope of humanity being reconciled back to God. And for us, Christmas is a time of expectation and hope, absolutely. But it's also a time of peace for us because of how Jesus is alive. In John 8, Jesus was going back and forth with the religious leaders of the day, um, as, as he does normally. And Jesus says that people that believe in him will never die. And before you know it, the conversation turns to the nation of Israel's history. And they start talking about Abraham. Abraham was a starting point for the, for the Jewish people, their forefather. And note that he lived at least uh, 2,000 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Um, and this is what they say to Jesus, and here's his response in John 8, 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham, they say to Jesus. He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do, and you know like how Jesus kind of gets those digs in? But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it. And was glad. And of course, they key in on this and say, you're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? And very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And so uh, there's a very visceral reaction here. The, the people that are around Jesus freak out because Jesus makes an assertion that he and Abraham had an encounter, first of all, which that's not possible, couldn't have happened, right? And that Abraham rejoiced in Jesus. Physical, physically impossible. The timeline just doesn't, doesn't work out. Then Jesus drops the mic with a claim that immediately causes them to be murderous. 
He says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. They may have uh, not been there for Jesus chronologically, but they didn't miss the claim that he makes about his identity. When God had spoken to another Jewish legend, Moses, and sent him to free the Israelite slaves in Egypt, Moses said, and some of you are familiar with this, he said, God, who should I say sent me? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses says, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am is the way that God identifies himself, the existing one. Existence is a part of God's identity. He is. He is the one who was and is and is to come. I am, not only was I around when our forefather Abraham was around, I was and always will be around. And some people claim that Jesus wasn't really making a divine claim here, but it's clear how the people around him took it. Uh, They took it how Jesus meant it. And when Jesus said, I am, is who I am, they immediately wanted to stone him. Jesus was making a clear claim to a deity uh, that uh, that he either deserves to die here as a false prophet or they are about to kill the actual son of the living God. This is a part of Jesus' identity, existence, not not just that he was born at one time and that he died at one time and rose again at one time, but that he has always been and always will be. Jesus is uniquely alive. The incarnation of God becoming man is a uniquely alive miracle. God lessening himself to live among us, to go through everything that we've been through, to be tempted just like we are, and to give himself up as a perfect sacrifice so that we might experience that same life. The one that we worship has always been and always will be. Even when they took him to the cross and executed him, they thought that they had gotten rid of him, but Jesus is the I am, the ever-existing one. There has never been and never will be a point in time in which Jesus has not been changing the trajectory of human lives. And so what, what I want to ask you right now, or the thing that I want us to think about and meditate on as a result of these truths in Scripture, is have you seen this in your life lately? Have, have you seen, or are you looking for, how God is moving in your life to give you a unique way of living. In the book of Revelation, where John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, who's the only one who is alive at this point, all others had, uh, had given their lives uh, in a mission for letting the world know about Jesus. Uh, John had been exiled to the island of Patmos, and so this is in the 90s when he writes uh, Revelation. He receives this vision, and he hears a voice, and he turns around, and Jesus is there talking to him. And there's a lot of symbolic language in Revelation, uh, but here uh, in Revelation chapter 1, the language and symbolism is used to paint a picture of Jesus' majesty, his divinity, uh, his power. He's too much to stare at for John, even though John was with him earlier on in his life. His word, what he said, was true. It was powerful. John is praying, and the next thing he knows, he turns around and has a Jesus experience. And here's, what, here's his response. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. 
John freaked out big time, and this is such a uh, this is such a theme throughout Scripture. You know, an angel shows up, or somebody you know out of the poof, you know, surprise. Do not be afraid. It's like, well, don't show up like this, and I won't freak out. Um, and 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 this is this is how uh, this is how we react when we come face to face with the majesty of who God is, with His living, with His life. Um, and this is how Jesus responds to John's fear and what He says to comfort him. He says, do not be afraid, verse 17 and 18, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. And so this is how Jesus comforts the fear of John in in his life, is he shares with John just how uniquely alive he really is. Uh, the first and the last, this wording is very similar to another title used in Revelation for who God is, part of his identity. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is master from before the beginning of time until after the end of time and throughout all eternity. He is sovereign over history. He's the Lord of the before and the beyond. He also says he is the living one. Life is a part of who he is. In a culture where people worshiped idols and false gods, they worshiped dead gods, Jesus is declaring who he is by what makes him different from all the other so-called gods, the idols that sit there and don't really do anything, they don't respond, they don't really have any conception of what it means to be human and to live life, and yet Jesus does. He is the living one. He was dead, and now look, he is alive forever and ever. Obviously, this is a reference to Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the Easter story that we celebrate. Jesus was crucified and buried, and he rose from the dead. And our faith as Christians hinges on this foundational belief in the resurrection, that this is true, and that we have life as a result of this. His disciples were expecting his dead body to stay in the tomb. And sometimes I think maybe we live life that way. We get tempted to do so, and that uh, we look at the world around us, the things that are happening, maybe the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the relationships that are go- aren't going the way that we want them to, the, the life trajectory that we see ourselves in, and we feel like maybe that life that you know, God wants for us is kind of sitting there in the tomb, and it's not going to come forth. The disciples were scared. They were left wondering what to do, but then they saw the resurrected Jesus, and that changed everything. It turned the whole world upside down. We still are living out the effects of that life that they saw and experienced. They gave their lives for the cause of sharing this life that Jesus, that Jesus has. And Jesus says he holds the keys of death and Hades. Um, the fact that God controls death and how we think about that and our fear and, and how maybe that even keeps us from living life, and yet Jesus comforts John's fear with letting him know that he's reminding him that he doesn't have to fear death anymore. Jesus is the great I am. He always has been. He's the living one, one, and he always will be. This is unique. Any other form of belief or religious leader or idol or any, anything else that people have put their hope and trust in, um, all others that have claimed to come from God or claimed some form of deity have ended the way we all do with, with death. And Jesus is uniquely alive. And the power of death is uniquely powerless against him and against his followers. And what Jesus did almost 2,000 years ago, he wants to do in you and me. He wants, us to, he wants to bring us from death to life. That's the story of Christmas. That was his mission. 
So when we put our faith in Jesus, when we allow him to change our lives, when we clothe ourselves with Christ, when we're baptized, our sins are washed away, we're raised to live a new life. But sometimes it's like we're the walking dead. You know, the way that we react to life and the things that are around us versus what God has called us to do. You think of the walking dead, you think of zombies, right? You think of the characteristics of zombies. What do zombies do? Uh, you know, brains. You know, and you look around on social media and you see the complaining. And you see the whining and the grumbling. You know, the, the lack of thoughtfulness, not just on social media, but in, but in real life. You know, that, that people are living in. It's like, man... Are we really living? You know, has, that, has that captured our, our, our being within our hearts and our minds and our souls? Are we really living? Are we letting life happen to us? You know, maybe uh, sometimes the Christmas season isn't all like hope and joy and peace and love. You know, sometimes uh, it brings out some of the toughest parts of our lives to the surface. There's so much pressure on the, cheese, on the season. Uh, we long for joy in life. We long for hope. And sometimes it looks uh, elusive. And as a culture, sometimes we just choose to dump it into one season of the year and say, well, within about a month's time, we've got to get as much hope and joy and peace and comfort and love as we possibly can. And the rest of the year, you know, it's kind of a free-for-all. Um, with all the good, some people hate this time of year. I won't ask you to raise hands or <laughs> anything like that. But don't look forward to it. Some people are more tired, they're busier, they're more in debt, they're more stressed, they're more depressed. But our hope isn't in a season, it's found in the unique life of the person of Jesus, a person who conquered death. And whatever we might go through that feels like death, Jesus has conquered that as well. In fact, that's his promise. It's one of overcoming, of victory and power. And so while Jesus, yes, is born maybe eight pounds, six, six ounces, Man, he is a victorious Lord, King, and Savior. And so there's an invitation always into life when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. Because that's really what's at stake, is living real, true life as God created us for and intended us for to have it. That's what Scripture outlines for us and the way that we're called to interact with each other and the world around us. God is calling us to true life. And so there's an invitation there that when Jesus says, hey, uh, believe in me, respond with your life, be baptized, have your sins washed away, live the way that I show you how, how to live, confess my name before other people, repent, turn away from your sins. You know, it's not just like, hey, check these boxes and everything will be cool. He's inviting us to live a real, full life. So there's an invitation. It's also a challenge. If you saw a man that you followed, trusted, and saw do incredible things, if you saw him executed, it would absolutely destroy you. All of us would be in the same place as the disciples thinking, well, Jesus isn't coming out of that tomb. There's no way that God can raise Jesus from the dead. I mean, that just doesn't happen. It's not something that we observe uh, normally. But if you saw his tomb empty on the third day, and if you saw the holes in his hands inside, your faith would explode. And that's why the work of the disciples that Jesus gives them still continues on to this day because they saw and experienced Jesus alive. And a lot of people believe that Jesus is alive, but if we're not living a unique life from everyone else as a result of that, we're missing out on the power of his life. During Advent, we celebrate the unique hope and peace and joy and love um, that we anticipate and that we experience and live as we look forward to Jesus' second coming. Uh, it's a challenge for us to step up and out in faith. 
Uh, you know, it's, 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 we're not content with just showing up to church a couple times a month. We're not content with just trying to live decent lives. We're not content with just reading the Bible regularly. We're not content with just praying, but we want to experience the risen Jesus. And here, here's one of the things that I think, um, I think might be really important for us to, to think through and meditate on uh, maybe this week or, or just in general. Um, just because the world may be on pause doesn't mean that life is. And doesn't mean that God is, because God is still moving in your life. Jesus is still active. The Holy Spirit is still indwelling within you as a follower of Jesus, and moving and teaching and counseling and helping and advocating. And so, you know, I just ask you as, as we kind of close this, this message, what, what is going on in your life and, and, and how the Holy Spirit is moving you and where Jesus is um, Jesus is calling you to, to true life. You know, maybe there's something deep down in your heart, soul, or mind that you've wanted to step out in faith, I, you know, and it could be any number of things. Maybe it's something as much as like changing where you shop for groceries, okay? It's not that. Um, but, you know, maybe it's a career move. Maybe, um, maybe God is calling you to be more generous in your life. Maybe uh, to share your faith and step out in boldness with someone that you love and have had a long relationship with. Maybe to pray with your spouse regularly. Um, maybe, you know, there are people that live in your house that you're disconnected from, and God is calling you to, uh, you know, to be a better family member. Maybe just be a better source of hope in your relationships, your friendships, the network of people that you're connected with. Maybe to serve in a new way. Maybe to go into ministry, you know, become a missionary. You know, those are still moves of God that happen. And those two things, ministry and, and missionary, like those are the things that he calls us to do within our own context now. Those are, those are the lives that, that he calls us to live. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the resurrected Jesus, the living one, the I am, empowers us to live a real, true life. And so we don't just celebrate newborn, eight-pound, six-ounce, golden fleece, baby Jesus, so cuddly and still omnipotent, you know, in, at Christmas. But we celebrate the Jesus who alone has conquered death, who is uniquely alive and who breathes new life into us. Let me pray for us. God, we praise you for, for your life. God, we, uh, we honor you and give you glory for for the new life that you provide for us to live, that, that you wipe the slate clean uh, for us, that you forgive us, that you redeem us, you reconcile us, and, and you don't just leave us there, but you, you continue to grow us. You continue, us, continue to lead us forward in our faith. That, God, that not only do we experience new life in our own lives, but we get to share that with others and see other people experience that new life. And that, that's the... Uh, that's the way in which the church is called to, uh, to operate and to be in relationship with one another and to share and to uh, help make happen for ourselves and, and for other people. God, we ask that you show us through your Holy Spirit how you are calling us to live, uh, to not just exist, to not just kind of go with the flow, uh, to not be dictated by the circumstances that are around us, the situations that we happen to find ourselves in, but in every area and every opportunity, you give us a way to live. God, we praise you for this. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.